Hello and welcome along to G'day GA. I'm delighted to be joined here this evening at John Heenahan's Giggles' Kitchen Table here in St. Kilda West. Thanks for having us, John. No worries, Liam. Glad to be here. Also, great to have Sean O'Leary. He's got the, the beard trimmed at the weekend. He's looking sharp. <laughs> Cheers, Liam. It's good to be here. So we, we start off tonight, obviously, it's, go, it's going to be another International Rules Special. We're in the middle of the two tests. We have the, the second and final test coming up on Saturday in Perth. Um, but first off, we're going to have a quick... <coughs> recap of the t- tweets and emails that we got in over the last few days so first off is an email that we got in from Richie Foley who was on the show with us uh, a few months ago excellent podcast episode 12 lads very enjoyable <coughs> Giggles is flying it it's a shot yeah it's gr- <laughs> great to get that positive feedback oh, yeah. Giggles yeah I'm reading a book on positive psychology now at the moment so yeah it's picking me up yeah hopefully great you can stuff. implement some of that now in your positivity <laughs> when you're talking about other county teams going forward <laughs> not just Waterford um, I believe you also got an email in, in Giggles. I have an email from a Barry Connolly in Galway. Um, uh, great podcast, lads. Jesus, uh, CC's really turned into an intercounty player talking for 10 minutes and saying nothing at the same time. Yeah, that <laughs> is good feedback. He really did stonewall us with those questions, yeah, didn't he? He was giving nothing away. He was giving nothing he away. absolutely nothing away, which is fair enough. He was in training with the boys, and I suppose he kind of felt that he maybe owed him some. But maybe if we get him on next week, after the fact, he might give us the... The, the down low and what really happened in there I still think he's waiting for the call up I know they've got Kieran Sheehan and then they've got your man Hughes so CC could be next <laughs> CC could be next yeah we'll watch the space between between now and Saturday okay so up first we're going we're gonna to talk international rules but we were delighted to get um, John Fogarty who's the Gaelic Games correspondent for the Irish Examiner he's over covering the, the series at the moment he took the time to, to, to speak to myself last night um, and it was great to get John on the line he offered Brilliant insight, I think. He's very close to the camp. He's been at the trainings. He flew over with the team. Um, so we did an interview with him. So we might just have a listen to that first and, and then we'll come back and talk about the game coming up on Saturday. Traveling in a fight on a hippie trail head full of zombies. I met a strange lady. She made me nervous. She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under Where women go and men wonder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder You better run, you better take cover I'm delighted to be joined on the line by John Fogarty The Gaelic Games correspondent with the Irish Examiner Thanks for joining me on the line, John Delightedly John, you're coming to us live from Perth after the, the first test there in Adelaide. Um, not the result we wanted last Sunday, um, but we're still in the tie. Like, I think, obviously, 10-point deficit, I think Joe Kernan was saying there during the week, it's only a, a goal and a point in Gaelic football terms. Do you think we have a, a chance going in on Sunday? I think there's a chance. I think there's absolutely a chance of winning the game, whatever about winning the series that's going to be difficult obviously because the Australians team will get will, will improve they, they 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 will get a lot of confidence from what they did in Adelaide and they'll only get better with the round ball but at the same time Ireland know themselves just how many mitigating circumstances there were Darrell Shea speaking to him after the game he said listen now is not the time to make excuses but you know what let's 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 
this list of excuses and let's let's see what are excuses what what are genuine ones and what are genuine reasons the sickness was a huge factor it affected a lot more than the guys who were ill Michael Murphy was very sick and for what Michael Murphy did as um the doctor uh, uh, Dr Kevin Morn the, the team medic as he pointed out um to us he he basically said Michael Murphy was playing with one wing so yeah. for what Michael Murphy achieved um, was incredible. The sickness was a huge factor. Yeah, the re- fact that there were so many, many debutants as well, Liam, that was, a, that was a point. But do you want to come back to the sickness? Yeah, back to the sickness there. I saw like obviously Niall Murphy and, and uh, Smith were ruled out just definitely because they were so sick they couldn't take part. But I, oh yeah, I was reading in a couple of articles about in the Examiner and, the, and in the Times as well that it actually affected a lot more and they just played. Even they, they were like, like, like so Michael Murphy was probably only around 70%. Yeah, and, and we were also told that Pierce Hanley wasn't right as well. So Pierce Hanley had a real horrendous week when you think that he broke um, a bone in his hand as well. Like obviously he, he turned up um, there last Monday in Melbourne hoping you know to to to, to get the ring rights against some of his contemporaries in the AFL and only to to pick up a bug uh, and only to pick up a hand injury. So it's just had better weeks than that but there was a couple of other guys as well that just weren't feeling right the lousiness really set in with them when they flew into Adelaide it was that morning around uh, it might have been dormant they might have picked it up on the flight over they might have picked it up uh, just uh, uh, being uh, around each other you know like there is a lot of cabin fever and things like that but they are in each other's uh, vicinity for a hell of a long time so listen it was always going to happen there was was going to be an issue there but the, the the other reason you could argue that you know things didn't go so well at the weekend, the heat obviously that was a that was a factor, and then the fact that there were so many debutants, like there was it was incredible the amount of guys that were playing for the first time, um, and as uh, it, the, the point was made um, during the week that no matter how much training and they did six weeks training in Abbottstown at the the, the national um, the GA's national center, uh, training center up in um, North Dublin, sorry West Dublin, um, no matter how much training, you do until you get out there and that heat they didn't train in that heat Melbourne as you know yourself early last week you know was 17 very, degrees was, was, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was at its best like there yeah. were some mornings there that were especially the morning at the Melbourne Cup which was very cold and uh, you know we were kind of delighted in a way but knowing full well that that Adelaide was going to be a different kettle of fish, so to speak. That um, it, it wasn't going to prepare them. The only way that Melbourne was preparing them was was in terms of getting over the jet lag. But nothing could prepare them for that heat, and it was a factor in some ways as much as they did try and curb it with ice towels, and they had the big fans obviously fans on the yeah. on the sideline for the interchanges. But there, there was a there, there was a lot of reasons why they. They um they didn't play as well as they 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 should have like how many times did we see them blocked down how many times did we see them trying to lob for goals I think they know yeah. themselves that they let themselves down a little bit last weekend and I think there is plenty more left in them yeah and I think just just on the the issue with the the goal chance I think like you said like normally Ireland are the ones who get the goals in the series not the Australians and we saw the Australians get two goals the last day and Ireland not get a goal. And those lob chances, I think they were too caught up in the tackle. Like they're they're so conscious that they can be wrapped up and their arms wrapped around and brought to the ground. Whereas if they were going through in a Gaelic football game, they'd probably do a sidestep and a dummy and go around the goalkeeper. But they just is like yeah. that just that, that just kind of abandoned them. Um, the couple, I think Paul Gini had a, had a had a great chance, and he even said it himself that he, did. he was just like 
they just lack that bit of composure and even in their passing and I hate saying it as well when you see the Australians kick the round ball better it's very frustrating to watch as an Irish supporter knowing that it's our ball it's our ball that they're using um, I think if we can keep our composure the next day and take some of the goal chances we have a, we have a, have a great chance but they're relying on McManus and Murphy I think they're going to have to spread the load a bit the next time someone like the other forwards are going to have to step up yeah, yeah, like, again, that was another issue as well last week. Paul Ganey picked up a bit of a tie issue. Paul Ganey, as far as I'm concerned, is the most clinical uh, forward in the country, in Ireland. And he, obviously, it was his first uh, day out playing international rules. There would have been a few teething issues for him, but I expect him to play um, much better next weekend. He's going to play, as he said himself in the interviews, he's going to play, or hoping to play a little bit closer to goal to help out McManus and Murphy. The fact that there was only, I think there was 10 or 11 Australian scorers there was only five um, Ireland scorers and if you take away the, the behinds of the likes of Shane Walsh and Niles Sludden the, there was only what the only three guys who were scoring over the aforementioned guys that you were mentioning Liam McManus and Murphy who were just incredible they were to the manner born when it comes to international rules and then Connor Sweeney as well and had, had his uh, apologies Paul Ganey did have an over too so there was four guys who were scoring over so you need a lot more than that and Darren Hughes we just spoke Darren Hughes who's only arrived in and Darren Hughes uh, he said watching there has to be a lot more scores it can't just be left to the two guys up above to, to do the job because let's be honest McManus isn't a known goal scorer known as a, a, he's probably known as one of the best point takers in the country Michael Murphy we know um, as a guy who um, toggles between midfield and, and and the full forward but perhaps isn't more for playing in the in the middle, so we need to see the likes of Paul Ginny, who is a goal scorer, a proven goal scorer. We need to see guys using their skills. Like the dummy solo is one thing that I I think the guys were afraid to use at the were, weekend. Definitely, and the, haven't watched it. Haven't watched a good bit of AFL on. Um, the Fox Channel over the last few uh, days the dummy solo is used as well in the AFL from time to time not, obviously not as much as it would be in, in Gaelic football but the guys were almost um, not timid but they were almost you know they were they, they, there was a bit of intrepidation or sorry trepidation I should say there was a bit of, they were, there was a little bit of fear in their game but I fully expect that especially with the, the Irish um, contingent that's going to be in the crowd there weekend for the last game of the Subiaco um, I, I, I think that fear is going to go I think they're going to take a lot and you could see Joe Curran speaking and appealing to the to the Irish community to the ex to really make it feel like a um, almost like a home game for Ireland this weekend Yeah I think I think that could be a big advantage in part is having the um, the Irish crowd on their side and we saw from Adelaide there wasn't a huge interest in Adelaide um, from the home fans and there's not Adelaide isn't known for being a huge um, I suppose having a huge Irish contingent either so it's it's WA being part has the, a large population and on the eastern seaboard we have Sydney and Melbourne which would have probably drawn a bigger Irish crowd but I know you're based in Perth for the last few days John are you getting a sense from the locals that there's a bit more of an interest from the Aussies on the ground in part about this game on Sunday? Certainly certainly from um, like the, obviously the, there's a um, there was one in Adelaide as well. There was a kind of a reception where a meet and greet with the players, with the local Irish community. But there, there's an even bigger one in Perth, and um, uh, as we know, Northbridge is is the the real Irish hub of, yeah. of Perth. And I, you can imagine, I I have friends here, Liam in Perth, and all of them uh, from Ireland. They themselves, they've made a life, they've carved a life for themselves out here, and they're going uh, to him. With, 
they wouldn't think twice about it because it's something that they feel quite you know proud about that the fact that they're on the the the, that the cream of Irish talent is here on on their doorstep they want to see it they want to see Australian spanked Um, it would be some way it would would be some way to go out in that way like obviously the internationals will always be on precipice but it is for the expats I don't think certainly I appreciate I'm sure you do, Liam. Being you know, being situated here in in Australia, um, but I I I think the players are getting a feeling anyway for how much it means to be coming over here and to be um and to be playing and to give to give guys something to be proud about because obviously, you know, um, one of my best friends is living over here as I said, and his kids are more patriotic than um, than him almost, and he's a very proud Irish man, but. They get a sense, you know. It, it's amazing how um, how that sense of uh, not nat- nationalism but patriotism and, and that sense of longing is passed on to the kids, and they become almost more Irish than the than those of us who are uh, who are fortunate to be living at home. Yeah, no, it is, and I think we were speaking about on our, our last week's podcast how special it is having the Irish team in Australia. And that we're, you know, we never, get, we don't, Irish teams don't travel too often. It's normally the rugby team might come here and play a couple of tests. But to have the international rules, and obviously it's a compromise between our Gaelic games and the local indigenous sport AFL, it, it's really, really special, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And being an expat being here, it, it's really, really interesting to follow them. And we went down and watched some training in Melbourne last week when, when they were here. Didn't get to make it over to Adelaide. Um, in part, we were over in part a few weeks ago playing hurling ourselves, so we're not able to make the, the trip back over again. But we, we all got, got got together and watched it last week, and we'd love to see him do a number on the Australians, especially because Aust- like Australia have a super strong team. As you, as you know, John, they have to be an All-Australian to qualify to play. I know a couple of the boys who were called up as replacements, some of them aren't All-Australian, but they have a serious team out from following the AFL here myself. They are playing against the cream of the crop. So like for the Irish to be into the, in the tie going into the second test like I know I think if there's a stat there any team who's been down by more than 8 points going into the second test has never actually overturned it so the boys will be looking to make a bit of history on Sunday but just on Piers Hanley being out that is a massive loss I think because he does play the AFL and he's quite suited to the compromise rules game he's out um, Niall Murphy and Enda Smith I think are still a doubt and we've seen Darren Hughes arrive he arrived today I think um, and he's going to be in. I think Kieran Sheen has been called up as well so I think he, I think he could be a good asset for the for the panel as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sheen, you know, he's left Carlton, and not too many people know what his future plans are. There's some speculation that he wants to stay in Australia. Recently, got engaged as well, and he's he, he seems you know to be settled in that regard as much as things didn't work out for him in Carlton. Obviously, the injuries didn't help either. Um, but he will be an addition, and should Murphy or Smith not come through, now that they have been training. But anything can happen um, um, in the closing stages. But the fact that there's no sickness this week, I'd say, there's such a, a sense of relief uh, among the among among the, the group because the feeling Joe Curran is one of the most positive men you'll meet in the world. He is, you know, this, to, to, I would be so happy for a man, and I'm quite biased here, for a man who's always been excellent with the media in terms of very giving of his time, not not given the usual um, sanitised quotes and whatever like that, he'll tell you what he feels um, and if he has to say something, he'll say it. I would be the, I would be thrilled to see him um, um, have the success at the weekend and to come up, to, to, over, 
to turn over that 10 point deficit would be huge but it is bound to be a, a huge sense of relief because last week it seemed as if they were trying to <laughs> preach the positives when things were going against them. I would imagine at some stages, I think Daryl Shea said it, he said any time doc, the doctor, Dr. Kevin Moran was coming near them, you sense that um, you, <laughs> he didn't like the look of, of yourself uh, as in that, you know, he was worried that you were sick too. So it was that type of situation where they just had to grin and bear it and they, they might have been, you know, putting a positive spin on it, but it was bad. It, it really was bad. Um, but now, they, it looks like they're going to have the opportunity. They've had a, a couple of days um, outside Perth, uh, a training camp that they had. Um, they trained um, Tuesday, they trained Wednesday. They're going to be training the Subiaco um, Thursday, um, 36 degrees. But the weather is actually going to disimprove um, for Saturday in terms of, well, the temperatures are going to go down. There might be even a spot of rain. So um, that will that will uh, certainly uh, tilt a little, a few things anyway in, in, in the favour of the Irish. Yeah, because you were speaking about the heat being a factor in Adelaide, right? And definitely it was a huge step up from what we had like in Melbourne. It was 16, 17 degrees, which is just like a typical Irish summer's day, really. And it was obviously it was 30 degrees plus in Adelaide on Sunday. However, the Irish actually won the last quarter. You know, so obviously the third quarter yeah. is where they struggled, but they didn't wilt in the last quarter, which I think showed that yeah, while they definitely found the heat difficult, it wasn't, it didn't stop them. You know what I mean? That they were able to dig in, as well as the other uh, factors in terms of the sickness and uh, like you said, the debutants. I think the heat on Sunday is going to drop off, and the heat in in part is a different heat again than Adelaide. Adelaide can actually be quite humid as well, um. So I think I think the boys will be okay for Sunday heat wise, um. But what do you think is the the one main thing that we need to improve on to get over the line on Sunday? Well, you mentioned goals, Liam, and goals is a huge thing. When you think about it, the amount of chances that they had was incredible. Yeah. Um, McManus had two. Um, he had, listen, what McManus did at the weekend was outstanding, and I picked him in my all-time international rules team. I did a piece there during the week, and I'd have him and Murphy there. Um. What what McManus did was excellent, but McManus is not known, as I said to you, as a goal scorer. Mm. Um, he would be kicking himself about those uh, as much as he was the Irish man of the match. He'd be kicking himself about those missed opportunities. Joe Curran says they need to score at least three goals. I'd be very much of the same opinion. Um, as you said, you, as you alluded to earlier on, the, the Aussies are not known for scoring goals. They don't only scored one under, as they call it. Um, of the two previous tests, um, last weekend was the first time in 14 years that Australia scored more goals than Ireland in a in a rules test, and that will be a sense of not embarrassment, but it will stick in the craw of the Irish. Um, you, you, you can be sure of that because it's something that they're supposed to be better at. And uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot more support, um, with guys going forward. Again, we mentioned the dummy solo and things like that, but the guys have to use. Uh, um, to risk, uh, they have to use, they have to use what they have to their benefit. And we saw the likes of Powell for making a couple of runs here. Sean Powell for making a couple of runs. I'd like to see Paul Murphy making a couple of runs, because obviously they were they were going into the dark almost at the weekend because they didn't know these guys. I was speaking to Paul Murphy today, and he said he would as much as he followed AFL and what have you. He he wouldn't know these guys. He wouldn't know. And so that sense of going into the unknown, that's gone now this weekend. They know that they can take these guys on. And again, playing to their, playing to their skills and scoring those goals obviously seems to be the situation. But 
Um, they they admit themselves as well, Liam, that they were quite surprised by how the Aussies bunched. Now, Duncan and Joe Cannon have spoken about possibly using a sweeper. I don't know if a sweeper would work because sweeper if doesn't work. High it doesn't work. It won't work. No, I, it doesn't work in this game. No, I don't think so. Work. Now, I don't think Joe Cannon is going to play a sweeper. I think he was just putting it out there because obviously the Aussies now are are second guess. The Aussies now are not going to change their tactics. It's, it's, it's a question of. Who's going to be? Um, who's going to put a bit of uh, variety in their game, and that certainly is going to be the Irish, you would imagine, because the Aussies are very happy with how they're playing. Eddie Betts obviously played so well. Um, Nathan Fife, Jesus, Fife, he's incredible. Brilliant. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, he was supposed to play three years ago. He pulled out um, because he picked up an, an injury late on. But as he was explaining, he had been playing football in in Spain. He, uh, he actually was, I think, he was. Um, holidaying in Ireland two years ago when the the rules was going on, and there was speculation that he might join up, but he just wanted his downtime. I think um, that was before he broke his leg, which was last year, I believe. Um, but he's an incredible uh, guy. But they were, the talk in the Irish camp coming up to the first test was all about Eddie Betts and his um, just how familiar he is with the Adelaide Oval. Well, you know, perhaps there might have been a bit too much more of an emphasis on him. Certainly Nathan Fife will be um, the Brown. guy on the dartboard in a way this week. Yeah, and Ben Brown as well had a very good second half. I think you know, he's... Yeah, he, I'm he, pretty he, surprised by that because yeah. he was speaking last week, like I'd say they were trying to pull the wool over the Irish guy's eyes in the sense that, you know, oh geez, I, I'm only coming back from my honeymoon. They were playing the, the, the cute horse, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've... I, haven't played with a, a round ball. Everyone's played with a round ball. They've kicked it, maybe not from their hands, but they've certainly kicked a, a round ball. Um, you know, soccer isn't that much of a, um, um, uh, what could you say? In a, a, not an elite sport, but certainly a, a, a niche sport in in uh, in Australia. Sure, as we're speaking now, Australia hoping to qualify for the yeah. World Cup again. Yeah, you know. So it, 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 perhaps there might have been. Uh, not that the Irish were, to, uh, you know, took things for granted or anything like that, but um, these guys are professionals. And what Ben Brown do, was doing, I was, you know, very impressed with some of his kicking. Yeah, and and just I suppose you know, on a general note, then John, obviously this series has been, or just a series in general, the compromise rules is very much up and down in terms of how it's been viewed in Ireland, how it's been viewed in Australia. I think we spoke on the podcast last week about it probably hit its peak kind of 2004, 5 and 6 and then obviously we had the 2006 series which was a lot very, very controversial for a number of reasons and I think it hasn't reached the highs in terms of attendances or national interest whether it's here or whether it's um, back back home. But I think the game we actually saw on Sunday was was actually a very good game of football, if you want to call it football. You know, it, it was actually an enjoyable game to yeah. watch. Um, and obviously, yeah. the first test is always a bit, a bit of a funny one because the guys are, never, are not one hundred percent on the rules. They forget a co- they forget a couple yeah. of things that they're not they're, that they're meant to be doing. But on the whole, I felt um, that they all adapted quite well to the rules. You know, there wasn't there wasn't the umpire coaching him too much through the game. Um, but just no. t- I read in your article, obviously on Tuesday in the Examiner about the talks of the series going to the states, um, and obviously that's the AFL driving that in terms of their big under international expansion. And you touched on about that the AFL had a, t- a game in China; it was a regular season game this year. Um, do you do you, do you think that could be to the detriment of compromise rules having it its future? Really, that because it's the AFL pushing it. That I'm sure the GEA, like you said, will 
you know, will go along for the ride that they don't really, they don't think they have anything to lose. Yeah. But it's very much the AFL are trying to expand the game internationally and recruit internationally as well. That's exactly what they're trying to do. And I would fear, like, more than anything, I'll put it to you this way, Dean. The, the international rules has been postponed or rescheduled three times over the last, what, uh, it's actually the last 12 years yeah. it's, been, it's happened. And every time that's because of the Australians. The first time, obviously, because of the violence. The second time um, was because I think it was a situation with um, the recession. And then the third time, or whatever excuse that was, and then the third time, which was most recently, was it, it was supposed to happen last year. Um, the, the, this current rules was supposed to happen last year. Um, at least the GA believed it was going to happen. And then it was rescheduled for whatever reason. Um, it's always on the Australians' terms. And that's that's the difficulty. As much as um, you know, the, the, the GA have said, um, "Well, listen, yeah, we're interested in an idea." There was even a talk of a an inflatable, as 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 it sounds, an inflatable makeshift stadium in Central Park for a game there a couple of years ago. Like it did sound mad, um, and but it was true. But the GA were, it was a situation where the GA were, you know, weren't too much fussed about it. I said, listen, AFL guys, if you want to do it, yeah, let's do it. You know, as you said, they don't see that they're going to lose anything by it. But I think they might lose something by it in the sense that I think they will, they, they will eventually lose the international rules because the AFL, if, or, you know, the, obviously the injury to Pendlebury has caused a bit of consternation as much as, it, you know, it's only a finger injury. And he, there was speculation that he was going to play this weekend. But I would imagine Collingwood put the, the kibosh on that. But it's the fact that the AFL are looking at, um, you know, broaden their horizons. The word is um, they're jealous in a way or envious. That's probably a more appropriate word of the GA's reach in in America. Um, they want to utilise that because it's very much like... Perth this weekend, Liam, they're going to look at this game in Philadelphia or whatever it is. That's the problem that they've had. They have, couldn't find a pitch that was big enough for the for the, the international rules game. But they're, they're very envious of, of um, the GA's reach. And they would, obviously, the majority, if the game was to happen in Philadelphia next year, uh, the majority of people will be Irish oh, or expats. Doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, once again, you know, once again, it's uh, it's on the back of the Irish that the the Aussies are, are are you know obviously they're making money this weekend, maybe not a lot, but they're making money this weekend, um, off the back of the 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 Irish that are here, and they're doing it again. It 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 just seems to me like the the AFL have a, a grander design here, and that the the GA are going to are being used as a pawn, and I fear. What's in it for Ireland? What's in it for the GA is the fact that um, it, it, it gives an opportunity for representative football, um, something that they don't have. We all know that the Railway Cup, unfortunately, in my opinion, anyway, unfortunately, it has gone by the, the 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 wayside, just like the State of Origin game has gone here. And you can be sure of the international rules will go by the wayside if there are injuries, and there will be injuries. You can like night follows day; it's going to happen. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's a huge so, reluctance from the clubs here. Like they do not want their players playing this comp- in this game. Like, they, like they, yeah, they hate it. The clubs yeah. absolutely hate it because they yeah. they get no, absolutely nothing out of it, and they risk losing their players yeah. before the preseason starts back in probably just it, after Christmas. You know, it's a huge risk for them. Yeah. Huge risk. In the indifference in Australia and it has been indifference over the last 
seven, eight years. Yeah. Indifference about the international rules in Australia has now turned turned into opposition, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's turned to opposition because there's so many good players involved now. And I, I, I could see a situation where we might see a, a test in the States next year and a test in in, in Ireland and, and then the AFL coming back and saying, well, you know, thanks guys, but I think we've seen the, the end of it. And then all of a sudden you hear about a regular season game taking place in Philadelphia um, the following yeah. year. Yeah, that's where um, it's going. The, that's, the interna- that's where it's going. It's yeah. A, yeah. The International Rules Series is a crutch. It's it's a ploy. It's a lost leader, as I mentioned in the, in the column this week, for for the AFL. They're clever people. They're clever. Don't get me wrong, there's very clever marketing people in, in the GA as well. But uh, it'll be up to Porrick Duffy's successor now, who will be appointed next year as the Director General, uh, to see if um, there is anything for the GA here in terms of uh, bringing this international rule series forward. I just think that it is a mechanism, a marketing mechanism for the AFL to broaden the horizons in the States because the word is, you know, the AFL see American football now as a, as, as something of a rival. They feel that because concussionists an issue now in the air, in the NFL that you know there might be a couple of guys whose heads are turned by the possibility of of, of AFL in the states. Obviously, with there's been a one or two American guys who've come in and actually impressed mm. in the AFL, um, and and I would imagine they're looking at, at that. America is such a huge, huge market, and um, it's a ready-made market in the sense that it's a sporting nation. China is just getting there, obviously. It's a it's something of an on tap market which they have been doing. Uh, they've tried to do this year with the with the regular season game as you mentioned, Liam. And now I think they they see America as ripe for the plucking. But first, they need a crutch, and the crutch is international rules, and the crutch is the GAA. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting space to to watch over the next twelve months to see how that evolves and in, into the following year with their plans. Look, before we finish up, John, just finally the, your prediction for Sunday. Do you, do you, are you going to go for an Ireland win on, in the game and an Ireland win for the series? Yeah, no, none of these guys are going to go for an Ireland win. I think they might just fall short of an Ireland series win. Um, there's, I, I can see Ireland goals. I can see the, 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 they've, been, they've been quite hurt. Like Obviously, they would have had a couple of beers on the on the Sunday night in Adelaide. There was a dinner with the, the Aussie team afterwards and things like that. And the way they celebrated afterwards, the way they celebrated some of the goals, as much as it is an AFL tradition to set, celebrate some, a, a, a score like that, that you know, I know, I know that kind of got the guys a bit. They're, they're very proud guys. I wrote last week about this thing that guys have been taking time off work for this. The, 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 this is the this is holidays for for guys. Um, they didn't come down here. A few of them have come down here. Um, to Australia regularly like Michael Murphy who was sick last week Michael Murphy's going back on the Sunday it's not a case of him you know going down to uh, Fremantle or going down to one of the beaches uh, around Perth and, and putting his feet up for a couple of days he's going home he's going back to work in the sports shop when he gets home on the Sunday he arrives back on the Monday and he'll be driving up to Donegal it's, he's here on, this is business for him in the sense he wants to win he wants to go home with the satisfaction of having beaten the professional side as much as they're not obviously uh, au fait with the, the round ball as, as, as the Ireland team is. It would have affected Michael last, uh, that three years ago that uh, when he was captain that Ireland didn't win. This is He will see this as an opportunity to uh, rectify that. Um, and there's many more stories like that. There's a lot of parents who've come over 
Um, kill, I met Killian Clark's father and his brother. They've come over to watch him. Niall Grimley's parents are over. Connor Sweeney's parents are over. They're they're over because obviously they're proud of their sons representing the country. But it'll mean a hell of a lot to these guys to to win too. And I I definitely see that uh, manifesting itself, Liam, in the game. I just don't know if it's going to be an eleven point victory or a twelve point victory, but I can see a victory for Ireland at the weekend. Fingers crossed, and we'll all be tuning in on, on Sunday. And for people back in Ireland, it is on at a much better time this Sunday because the time difference between Perth and Adelaide is three hours. So I think the game was at five o'clock in the morning last Sunday back in Ireland. I think it's going to be on around eight. Is eight o'clock in the morning? Is that right, Joe? Eight o'clock, yeah. Yeah, eight yeah, o'clock yeah. in the morning on on Sunday morning. So I hope. We get a few more people tuning in at home and we'll all be tuning in here in Melbourne as well. So thanks very much for, for joining us on, on the line, John. We might talk again soon. Delighted, Liam. All the best. Look, I think lads, John's insights there were were fantastic, and I know one thing which you want to put me up on giggles is I was I was saying that the game is actually on Sunday when it's not; it's on Saturday. It's on Saturday, yeah. yeah. Big mistake there. John didn't even correct me himself; he just let it go. But for some reason, I thought it was just two Sundays. I know it was on last Sunday, and yeah. So just anyone who is after listening to that, the game is on Saturday. If you're watching at home or here, Saturday at eight o'clock in the morning Irish time. Yeah, it'll suit the guys in Perth as well. They get the Saturday night to go and enjoy themselves on the Sunday as opposed to. Sunday night game people will be working on a Monday is probably the, the reasoning behind it yeah yeah it makes sense it makes sense but look I think look, John there's lots of things that John covered there that were, were great insights but I know from your point of view Giggs on just on the first test you felt that good first quarter good last quarter but it was the middle two quarters where Ireland struggled yeah I suppose we were, we were watching the game together and it was kind of it was frustrating actually watching Ireland in the middle two quarters because you'd seen them play really really well in the first quarter uh, and they just totally collapsed. They couldn't get tackles in. They were caught on the ball. They were the deliveries weren't like they were in the first half to that kind of free man inside. I think a couple of things. The Aussies obviously snuffed out. They weren't letting um, Michael Murphy and, and, and McManus just mark within forty five yards because they knew they kick it over the bar. But obviously, from listening to John, then you got serious insights on what the camp was like. So. The sickness seems to have affected an awful lot of more players yeah. than we thought. And then the heat, obviously, was a big factor. I think it was 34 or something like that in Adelaide on the day. So I yeah, couldn't, I, I I couldn't <coughs> go over the sickness thing. Yeah, that was a big surprise to me, too. Like I was, I had a, I had a different view. I did, like Before I listened to John Fogley's interview, I was of the view like Ireland were a disgrace and, and, <laughs> and like the performance they put out and they shouldn't be losing by that much and blah, blah. Shouldn't be losing at all and their skills and their own ball. But that's, that's not down to sickness either. But... I still there's there's a bit a bit part to play in, in terms of the sickness and it, that that obviously affected them if you're in close proximity with the with all the players you're going to pick up something but um I thought um I thought it was still in overall it was very disappointing uh, Ireland performance I thought they couldn't get to grips with um with any tackling I mean like that was, I said last week on the on the podcast about the Irish game the Irish football game coming in line with the Aussie Aussie rules game at the moment and the fitness levels, but that completely went out the window in my view on it. Because regardless of the sickness, I, I reckon it showed who was the professional 
professional outfit there last Sunday because the Aussies had probably two thirds of the possession for the whole game. Ireland kicked the ball away most of the time. Um, they're supposed to be better at it with their own ball, and their skills were just way under 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 what they should be like. But I think uh, I would have been of the same opinion when we were watching the game. But I think like like John said, speaking to Dar O'Shea, like you know we don't be making excuses, but let's actually name them. And like if that <clears throat> sickness bug had went through the whole squad, which it sounded like it did, and that lads played even though they weren't right, like he said, Michael Murphy was like really struck down by it. He's probably one of the better And he's players. one of the better players. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And he was operating at maybe 60-70%. So do you like I think I you kinda have to give him the benefit of the doubt going into Saturday, bearing in mind that look, they're one one behind in yeah. terms of Gaelic football. Like if you were going into a game saying oh, that's running four points behind, yeah. which it is, you wouldn't be writing them off. You're like, geez, we're well in this contest, you know? Now the Australians will improve definitely that's, like in the second it. test because that's they're more used to the round ball. But I think Ireland will have more room to improve than Australia. Well they have much more room to improve. And like they have to get gr- to grips with tackling. They just have to I know it's and this is the problem with the Gaelic the Gaelic football is there's no proper tackle and these guys just don't have it in their psyche to tackle. They don't have it in their timing to like just wrap a fellow up and bring him down. The Aussies are doing that straight away. They're turning over the ball every time. Their handball, their hands are just way quicker than the Gaelic football guys. And they're 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 able to hit off both sides as well. Whereas the, the Irish lads are only probably more down than one hand. Like the Aussies are off, actually off two hands. They're actually able to release the ball within a tackle. You had, I mean, like you had you had guys, i seen some pictures there now a couple of weeks ago. Fellas waltzing around in their, in their beach in their beach volleyball gear with the, with the, with the big, <laughs> big beach muscles. And they couldn't lay a tackle. I mean, like, I mean, there's no point in going around with all this, you know, Swan around Melbourne in the beach with your big physique and you can't even lay a tackle. Who are you naming specifically ah, there? Oh, she's on there. Yeah. Was, it was one, one guy who was really pissing me off. Like, <laughs> yeah. he didn't, I don't think he even touched the ball. I seen him doing one spoil in front of Ben Brown and like, that's about all I seen him doing. Yeah. For, I thought Chris, um, I'd say from here, Chris Barrow was really good. Yeah. Very good attacking uh, back man. But, uh, but we, it was funny where we were actually watching the game and we get laughed at at home for this but it's kind of a normal thing over here. We're at a lawn balls club at my fiance's birthday and we were watching it down in the caretaker shed with four other with four Aussies yeah. which just yeah. wasn't planned or anything like that but it was actually good to watch it with some Aussie lads watching it and getting their perspective on it but the big thing we said straight away we were watching was we were the tackle like you said yeah. and I saw it was Aidan O'Shea I think I can't remember who what Australian was coming through and Aidan O'Shea went square on to give him a shoulder yeah. when like all you managed to do is walk around him whereas if Aidan O'Shea is probably our biggest physical player he puts his arms out wraps him up yeah. it's a turnover for Ireland but it, it's just a mental he, thing it's so hard it. to shift that but that's what it you is it's purely, it's purely a psyche thing they're yeah. not used to doing it so how can you expect them to learn it in a couple of weeks no, I'm probably being a bit unfair now on them a bit on, on that but like if they, they up that if they up that twenty thirty exactly. percent on Saturday, if, be they, huge if thing. they can just if they can just learn how to actually wrap a fellow up and actually yeah. like have that psyche when you when you were within three or four meters of me, I'm gonna wrap them up. I'm not trying to dispossess them, which is normally what a Gaelic footballer is trying to do. Mm. I'm gonna wrap them up. You're not gonna you're not gonna try to shepherd them out away from from a goal. You're trying to wrap them up. You're trying to grab him and pull him to the ground. That's what you're trying to do. But they don't have that. The Aussies do. And if they can work yeah. on that, I mean, and just crisp up their, their skills that. it's get some goals which is yeah. what John said as well it's like we've never not scored goals yeah. you know what I mean like like that's a huge thing and we have use, huge potential to score goals and, and use their kicking ability like yeah. they, I mean they have they'll, there's no question they're better than the Aussies at that and no matter yeah. how good the Aussies are going to get in, in the next in the next game 
the Irish lads should be blowing him out in terms of like you know kicking kicking. But do, do you know what's interesting as well though? If you if you watch Gaelic football, and if you see a midfielder coming through and he's going to typically do a kick pass. Generally, they kind of put it outside of the forward, let it bounce into the forward's hand, and the forward then generally has the space to take on his, his cornerback or his wingback or whatever. And that's, that's how you play in Gaelic football. Whereas the Aussies, when they were kicking, they were kicking like Aussie rules for the mark. You know the what I mean? Chest, they were doing that chest ball in front of them, take the reach. mark, and then you can yeah. kick it. Whereas Ireland probably weren't getting used to that. So I, I think between... You think Ireland are better kickers, but again, it's, the mark is so big in Aussie rules, and actually the mark is so big in compromise rules. Most of Ireland scores came from marks as well, so they kind of really have to work on that. I, I was the opinion, same opinion as you, Sean. I was like, why aren't they tackling? And right, we put it down to the heat, put it down to sickness. But when they did put pressure on, then the Aussies, I, I didn't realize this was a rule, but you're only allowed to do the six hand passes, and then if you do a seven hand pass without, before you kick the ball, it's a turnover as well. And in the fourth quarter, I think they got two or three turnovers by putting pressure on the Aussies. They didn't get actually the tackle in, but they forced the Aussies just to keep the handball in. And that yeah. was in their psyche and nature because you'd often see the Aussies and that's why they've got the fast hands. Because when a guy's coming to attack you in Aussie rules, you have to get rid of the ball very fast. And you could see that fast hands coming through with the Aussies and then they'd break free and they've got the whole pitch in front of them. So... Uh, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things when you look back on the game actually in the compromise rules in general that actually support the Australians from the game as well I know we talk about the round ball but as John Fogarty said everybody grows up with a round ball whether you're down at the beach kicking around or whatever you're or doing soccer in school or whatever uh, kicking, yeah. a, kicking an oval ball is a different story I don't, I don't get that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go along with that view either still different it's, it's easy, it's, but it's definitely easier adjust to a round ball than adjust to an oval ball Correct. if you get me like as in it's an easier transition like you see, and you see that in their kicking. Well, it's easy for us to say because they are like the Aussies all grew up with the oval ball. So. I, I must say though, I really liked the guy. I think it was the first or second point for Australia. The guy was it Zor- outside the left foot. The outside Zor- of the booth. He's the guy from South uh, Port Adelaide. He was brilliant. Yeah. He was probably their most dangerous forward on the day. Yeah. Probably their man of the match. Yeah. Either Fife or uh, Fife, Fife, Fife was phenomenal yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, but look, I I think there's huge room for improvement to the Irish boys. We we're given the benefit of the doubt with with the inless. And like John said as well, the number of debutants who never played in a, in a compromise yeah. series. Like no matter what, I'm doing six playing six um, or doing six weeks of training and have weekend camps. We saw them train on Wednesday in Melbourne. Go now and playing a test game against Australia. And like John said, they had no idea of a lot of these lads. True. Like True. even though if they follow the AFL at home or keep an eye on it, like now they have an idea about the boys. Do you know what I mean? Like they have they know what they're up against on Saturday. They're, they have a deficit to overcome, but I think I think Ireland have a, really have a great chance. You know, I, I'd be interested. <clears throat> I'd love to know how much training they did on the tackle, though, just because it Very was the biggest talking point. Because did they do when, any of it? When you when, were when we, the I was just about to make the point that when we went down and watched them. It was like a game of Gaelic football they were playing with compromise rules rules because there was very little tackling was actually no tackling. running. But you wonder was that as well. probably didn't want contact. It was on a Wednesday before the game on a Sunday. Yeah, fair point. Had, yeah. You know, I don't know. Like, Even a drill of just, you know... You know, even just walking into each other and wrapping them up, like I mean, totally, that's yeah. that's all, that's what it is, like. Yeah. Well, it's not walking, like, but you know, yeah. just getting into that mind mindset that, like, you know, when a guy is in within distance, yeah. I need to wrap him up. O- overall, though, I'd say I think if you take out the first quarter, Ireland bossed the first quarter; they owned it, and they were all sick, and obviously the energy went pretty quickly. But um, if you take out the first quarter. I reckon Australia were dominant for three quarters and probably didn't put the scores on the board that they could have maybe if they if if they were more used to the round ball. Any time they broke the line, pretty much because they'd have one or two quick hand passes and then they'd be gone. They broke. Gone, yeah. Ireland were nowhere near them, and maybe it was down to the sickness. We'd only find out 
I suppose this Saturday and we're hoping that fucking Ireland really just have their fresh bodies everyone's ready to go and, and they can kind of kick in on that yeah and like we said it, like I think John said as well, it's a huge thing for the Irish like it's a way bigger deal for the Irish players than for the Aussies because they're pitted against the amateurs they've given up their time like John said like this is like some of their lads only annual leave for the year yeah. you know like they're taking yeah. most of them are taking two three weeks to come out here off work Michael yeah. Murphy's back to work on, on Monday. Monday morning, yeah. He's getting from the, in from a plane in Dublin straight to Donegal and straight to work. You know what I mean? Like, he's in. That's it's tough. It's yeah. not as if they're hanging around, chilling out, like John said, yeah. going to the beach for a few days after. Like, the boys are heading back, and we're the same. Gary Brunt, Gary Brennan there as well. They're heading back, and what, you know what I mean? They're heading yeah. back straight away. Like it's, They're using their own time for this. Like yeah, yeah, it's business for these boys. Like, so I'm, I'm really hoping for them, for the effort they've put in in the six weeks yeah. and the effort to come out here. Like, it's a serious journey. And like, you saw Hughes there, arrived there on Wednesday only called up like flew in from yeah. on Wednesday yeah. to play a game on Saturday and we'll, I don't know what his arrangements are but I presume he's flying back with the boys or within a couple of days Whenever. he's, he's only going to be here for a week yeah. do you know what I mean <clears throat> that's like a fair play oh, you have to respect him for coming like you know like but like Jesus it's a fair effort to come in to come out for a few days out to out to Australia to play I'm, I'm open as well you, you were saying the Australians will only get better but to be fair to the Australians they played quite well and, and I think maybe, you know, when a team plays quite well and they didn't really get hit by Ireland that hard, that in the second test, perhaps, if Ireland can up the ante, um, that they actually hit them harder and the Aussies maybe are a bit complacent going into the yeah. second test. There, there's a danger for the Australians on that side. So, um, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. But they, they, only, need to, they, like, they only really need to up the ante in, in the defence side because... Like the Aussies are not going to kick the ball out of defence. They're going to handball it out yeah. and they're going to work it up the lines. And in there, it's 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 kicking in front of goals. And where the Irish need to do is lay tackles and put more pressure on there. That's that's and don't, that's where I see it. The, the one thing in the last quarter was you saw maybe five or six kicks going in, and there was four Aussie defenders and two Irish forwards. Yeah. And you, John spoke about it to yourself, Liam, around not having enough people committed forward. And it was like a Gaelic football match in that sense, where you know Tyrone or Donegal would filter thirteen boys back behind the ball and have leave two up front. And against the Aussies, when they can tackle you like a rugby tackle, that is never going to work. It so, uh, work. It no, work. not a no. hope. So, no. you need to have one on one. You need to go man on man. You need to be able to attack in waves and defend in waves, yeah. um, and not just leave the two lads up front. That that won't work this Saturday. But um, okay. and they do they do that in Gaelic football, like so. It shouldn't be. It's not any anything alien to them either. Yeah. So what do we think? Okay, predictions wise, we we spoke to John. He said he thinks they have a great chance of winning the game, but he thinks maybe the series might be one step too far given the deficit. I'm actually going to go. I'm going. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to think they're going to get a win on Saturday and a series win. I think. That, I think if they can get two or three goals, they, yeah. they'll do it. You know, if they don't get two or three goals, they won't do it. They need to get the goals. They're worth six points. They're massive. Yeah. And as you said, they had three very, very good, clear cut goal chances. Mm. Two lads tried to lob the goalie, and fair enough. And maybe they were just a bit anxious about getting blown Definitely. with a tackle. And one guy actually, I can't. Was it Ganey as well? Yeah, he yeah. he got caught in possession, and the ball was turned over. And we never yeah. the gay footballer never lob a goalie. Yeah, you no. never you never see that. Like that's not no. they, they they actually were just like you think I said. They, they, they were too caught up in getting getting wrapped up. Yeah. But anyway, go to you first. Gig, it's prediction so for the game and for the series. I'm going to predict an Aussie win and an Aussie series. Okay. I, I think I think I've seen the quality, like even like Patrick Dangerfield in midfield, the tackling he does, the power he does, the pace. Some of Ireland's fastest players were breaking, and the Aussies were catching them in a straight line run. Do you know what I mean? Chris Barrett went off and he was brilliant in the break. But at the same time, he had to let the ball go very fast because he had, these guys are professional athletes. They're so muscular. They're so fast. That's what their training is entail every single day. And I, I just thought, looking at it, unless the sickness thing had a more big of a play, part to play in the Ireland loss, 
I think Australia might win again. <clears throat> Shawnee, you had a ridiculous run of predictions there back in predicting the hurling championship and the football championship. <laughs> so, like, I, I'm not sure what your streak was. I think it was five from five. Um, so, what? I was wrong last week. You were wrong last week, but generally you've been pretty yeah. good. So, now, what, what are you what, what are you going for? I reckon <clears throat> I'm going the same as John. I reckon be an Aussie win and an Aussie win on Saturday and an Aussie win in the series, obviously. So, I reckon I just reckon there are two. They're too, they're too physical, they're too good in a tackle, their hands are too fast. I reckon they'll just, they'll have, they have the guys up front, Chad Wingard, uh, Dane Zarko, um, Five, five. Um, I think they have enough in those guys for, for the kickers to get them over the line. And I reckon they'll, they'll win by, I, it'll probably be, I reckon they'll win by less than 10 points this time, but I reckon they'll still win. Yeah. Okay, so that's, Two Aussie wins. Me and John went for two Irish wins. So we'll see how it goes on Saturday. Saturday again, I'll repeat. I said Sunday in the interview with John. Um, also on John's interview, just to, just before we move on from that, um, it was very interesting, the whole, um, I suppose, economics of, of the the, of the, the deal the deal in the series and this whole US thing. I think that, that, that was very interesting. Yeah, it's, it, and insight, like, and it really is, it really does show the kind of, I suppose the power of the AFL as well. Like you know, they have all the aces in their, in their hand at the moment because they're the professional organisation. They're trying to, you know, and, they, and we we have seen them in China this year as well. Yeah. With, the one uh, thing I'd Gold say, Coast and, sorry, and Port Adelaide, and um, so them trying to getting getting their market over in, in the US. Like I mean, I think it'd be a bad move by the, the GA to move over in there. They already have a, a niche market over there with the GA. I think there's too many Irish expats yeah. over there, in yeah, and probably similar here, but. I, I just um, don't. It's very think, interesting. Yeah, I, I think China is a great market for the AFL because they don't have any core sport in China, right? Yeah. And if they, if you can get adoption in China at one percent, you've got a serious league up there. Yeah. The American sports market is not going to be broken into. I can guarantee you that. NFL, hockey, basketball, baseball, not a hope, but not yeah. an absolute but chance in snowball's head. And like the GR do all the heavy lifting. Like I mean, the all the, I mean the majority of the crowd is going to be Irish. That's what John's yeah. Here, it's going like, to be, you know, yeah. they're doing all the heavy lifting here, and like this is we're the away team, all right? Yeah. Like the AFL or not, and we we know it from here they're not they're not advertising this game enough. It's terrible coverage here. in Australia. Yeah. Like I know the seven seven network are doing a good coverage of it, yeah. but outside of that, the the advertisement nothing. and all that, there's nothing been done. No marketing. Yeah, and we spoke at length about that and how it's perceived here amongst the public, and that's the reason. There's a strong reason for that. Like people, like you said, it's the length of the AFL season. I spoke with one of my um, mates. It was a big listener to the podcast, an, an, an Aussie workmate of mine. Exactly on your point, Sean, that you made that when it gets to the end of the footy season, they have enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's been so long. They're checked out, ready to go. And this, this is another thing. They just can't really buy into it, you know. So, look, it will be interesting to see how that evolves going forward next year um, and the year after. And like we, John said, the International Rules Series is very much on the whim of the AFL. The GA yeah. have to dance to their tune. That's the way it's always been. Um, and look, it, to be honest, yeah, like, it kind of suits Ireland as well. I think the, when, when the AFL say they want to play, we're always happy to play because we always have players who are interested. And we just have to wait and see how it goes in the next five months and whether we get a game in the States or not. Could be to our benefit. It could not. We just have to play it out and see. Yeah, it is more. It's more. Um, if you were a GA player, like it's more uh, inviting for you too. Like as you get. Yes, I know. We said that it's it's actually not a holiday as such. Like, but it is kind of is in a way as well. Like you know, it's it's about business as well and like getting, yeah. doing the best for your country. But, I mean, those Irish amateur players don't have those type of opportunities in in their game. So the Aussies can take a couple of months off and they have the money to go on wherever they want to go. Yeah. 
you know. I think lastly though, I think it'd be rude for us not to talk about Ty Kennelly's accent on, on the on the commentary. Oh, half Aussie, half Aussie, half Kerry came across like a, a Yank from Texas. <laughs> Jeez, it was brutal, wasn't it? Yeah, and the Irish people didn't get that at home, so they were getting the Marty Morrissey and Nicholas Walsh commentary and, oh, we, yeah. and we had we had the uh, Australian commentary and Ty Kennelly co commentary. I called it straight away. And the Aussie lads who were with, with us watching it could not believe that, that was Ty Kennelly and that he spoke like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's like I don't think Ty listens to the podcast like, but uh, he puts it on. And a very good clubmate of ours, I won't name his name, knows Ty Kennelly very well and kind of worked with him up in Sydney for a period of time on an unrelated matter and has pulled him up on it. Oh, yeah. And he puts it on for media. He says it himself. When he's back talking to the fellow Kerry men and his fellow Irish, he doesn't talk like that. But he puts on this twang when he's on the TV here as well. It's shocking. Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave it on that. We'll, we, won't, we won't go into any more detail like that. But we'll see how the game goes on Saturday. And we, we actually, we'll be delighted. We're actually going to have Gary Brennan, one of the players joining us for an interview next week. To, to wrap it all up after the series so that'll be great to get his insights on how the series went and give, my PSV is give us more detail on that sickness and how, how the squad came together but anyway we'll leave it there and just thanks so much again to John for giving us his time he's very generous with it and, and like you said he gave us some great insights there on the setup. okay so coming up next we're, we're going to talk about the regional games coming up in Hobart this weekend and we've Giggles had a great interview there with, with John Rainey the, one of the founding members of the Geelong Gales let's have a listen to that Doing just once would be enough For those who've lost in life For love For those who've lost their God Look what it means to the fans And to the players Paddy Andrews in there to celebrate But once again Defeat is Mayo's lot Stephen Rochford and his team Gave it absolutely everything Luck just wasn't on their side At the very end of all of that but it's Dublin who are the champions. It's a record of achievement that must be acknowledged. Final score, Dublin 117, Mayo 116. I'm delighted today to be uh, joined on the line from Geelong by by the great John Reaney. Uh, those of you who don't know John, um, he's the Geelong Gales president. He's, he's also a very established goalkeeper for Victoria and Geelong. He's one of the main referees actually in Melbourne and, and he's also a member of the famed Dublin clubs in Aaron's Isle in, in Dublin. So uh, welcome John, thanks, thanks for coming online with us. No, no water for that, lads. Uh, thanks for having me, yeah. But before we get into Geelong now yourself and the, and the regional games, which we're going to talk about, I suppose, first half the podcast has been fairly heavily critical of one of your former clubmates, Charlie Redmond, in, in the yeah. past few episodes. How's, how's that sat with you? Uh, well, yeah, well, when I was a, obviously a kid growing up, we had, a, when we were a juvenile, coming up through the juvenile section, we'd, um, we'd be training midweek or... Um, at the weekends and we'd have Charlie Redmond and uh, Keith Barr, Johnny Barr, uh, Kieran Ahir, um, I think another bloke, um, uh, Robbie Robbie Boyle, like, and they were all uh, on the 95 winning team. So, yeah, we had a pretty good club, uh, senior football at that stage. I think we got to um, five, five county finals in a row in the 90s, but only won two. And uh, we got to the 98 club final uh but beaten by Corrafin of Galway in the nice. end. I think all, I think all of all of our luck ran out in the semi final. Um <laughs> not, not not too sure if you if you know, but um 
we played Castlehaven, Castlehaven of, of Cork. We are five points down in injury time and we won by a point. Um, the boys got two goals in, in injury time and, and won, which was in Torless, which was fantastic. And the Dubs don't like travelling and playing football down in Torless. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't, we don't. <laughs> Um, ah, that's good uh, what's Charlie like is, as, as a fella around the club is he kind of someone you look up to down there or, and is he kind of it, it, well intentioned around Aaron's Isle uh, to, to be honest like after uh, uh, Charlie finished up he kind of um, he kind of went away uh, Keith Bark kind of went away like they, and only recently so I've gone Charlie's recently got back involved with, uh, in a couple of intermediate teams and stuff like that so so basically, when Charlie finished up, like he, um, when I when I burst onto the senior team, he he was long gone. He was coaching other teams around Dublin and 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 Mead and and um uh, clubs around around Dublin. But so yeah, I I I, I didn't read. Really yeah, I got you again, John. Yeah, we have you. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. But come here to me, John. Tell us a bit about yourself. Then, when did you arrive in Australia? And I suppose uh, how how did you get involved with the GA when you arrived over here? Yeah, so I, I got to uh, I, I arrived in uh, Brisbane in two thousand and nine, and um, yeah, so came over to a lad uh, who was was living in Brisbane, played f- played football with in, or- in Ireland, and uh, he was involved with the East Celts club in Brisbane. So um, I immediately got trained and played with them for for a year in Brisbane, and then after that, uh, due to uh, I had to get my second year visa, so I had to. Uh, I, Went up and picked bananas in Cairns for eight, for eight, for six or so months, <laughs> and then um the yeah came came back to uh, came to Melbourne then um and I got I, I played with Sinn Fein for a year or two and then um yeah met 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 the lovely wife and she was from Geelong so I, I moved to Geelong and then that's when I, when when the whole Geelong thing started up again. Oh, that's good. I didn't know you played with Sinn Fein. Now, oh, geez, I could yeah, hold that yeah, against okay. you in the future. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And then I suppose for anyone who back home listening, Geelong is like a satellite town of Melbourne, but it's like a big city, John. There must be. Oh, is there eighty thousand people in Geelong? Oh no, there's there's much more. There's there's just. I think there's just under two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. So probably yeah, a city the size of Cork, but it's just on, yeah. on the outskirts of Melbourne. For anyone who doesn't know, and there'd be a big second, f- footy club. Yeah. Se- second biggest, um, second biggest city in Victoria, as we, yeah, yeah. So, so they didn't have any Gaelic football team, John, when you arrived down there, and you're one of the main uh, founders. Yeah. So, the, well, like the history goes back to 1952, but um, of of Geelong, and um, like there was hurling on football back back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, but. Um, yeah, as we all know, the Irish come and go, and especially down in a small town like this, if if in in Geelong, if 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 five or six lads leave, leave at once, it's kind of hard to fulfil a team and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, like obviously in uh, yeah four or five years ago, me and another lad, Nigel Nigel Maxi, we we kind of said we'd uh, we'd like to get it going again. So, um, yeah, we just put the word out there and the whole social media thing, and it kicked off and. Yeah, we just uh, just gradually gradually getting bigger and bigger as we go along. Still struggling to get the win up in Caseborough or down here in Geelong in a fifteen or so game, but uh, it's not for the want of trying. That's for sure. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 a it's a big effort you have, and you've actually got a lot of doctors on the team. Is there something that kind of about the region that kind of attracts the Irish doctors to Geelong? Yeah, I, I, uh, I haven't really asked the question to be honest. I think it's just um, yeah, it probably is the we we actually have one one of our doctors is on doing a. a a year in um, the Alfred, he's been living in Geelong, and he's one of the main lads on the committee as well. Connor Kelly, he's um, he's just finished. He's just finishing up a year in in Melbourne, so he's been coming down, up and down for the year in Geelong, and going up 
going up to Melbourne, obviously. But yeah, he's back down in Feb and uh, February, and he can't wait to get back down to Geelong. So it must be the small, smallish town type thing. And um, yeah, we're all we're all fairly close bunch of lads as well down here. So yeah, yeah at the moment there's there could be six to seven, maybe eight, eight of the of the panel that are, are doctors in Geelong. So it's good. That's good stuff. And just just in general, John, I suppose you're a relatively new club, um, recently formed or re reformed, I suppose. Yeah. What would have been the big club highlights over the last couple of years? I think it's just um, the we've got a we've got a we've got our annual family day on um this Sunday coming. So I think it's just seeing lads over the last few years who have got married as such and and um having kids and 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 just seeing them grow and the fact that. The fact that we could go to Keyswell and kind of get get a bit of a get a bit of a hiding on a Sunday and still still turn up Wednesday in the same group of lads again, just talking about what we've done wrong and what we can improve, and it basically that's been the basically that's what's been happening the last few years. So I think it's the 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 the, the toy group Nick we had the toy group we have down here, and yeah, just the family orientated and. Just um yeah, just basically all that stuff. Yeah, and I suppose then this year there, there's serious talks at the moment in, in Melbourne about setting up the junior football competition where yourselves will enter that as kind of your first team, and then we'll have the second string teams of Wolf Tone, St Kevin's, and Pierce's, I believe, as we have it to have a four-team junior competition. That'll be a big boost to the to the, to the Geelong team itself. Yeah, that's it's going to be vital for us because you you've seen yourself, John, the way we, we look. We 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 did approve uh, last year. Uh, oh, sorry, this year just gone. Um, but it's vital for us to um be competitive and and be be going traveling up to Keysborough and knowing that we do have a chance of of getting a win. Where over the last few years we've kind of just traveled up just to, not just not to fulfill the fixture as such, but knowing that we're really up against it up against it today. But hopefully this this competition comes in the junior competition and we could have a championship then at the end of it as well and basically a junior as you said a junior competition, but. It's vital. It's vital for us to um to uh to have that competitiveness and and be in a game as such. So yeah, it's it's yeah as I said, it's vital. Yeah, no, I I think it's going to be a great thing. And even for the kind of the the lads who don't make the senior teams for the for the other teams in Melbourne, there's a lot of them, and they kind of fall away from the wayside. So I think it'll be yeah. a good social tournament. It'll be a very competitive tournament as well. Yeah. But you're you're heading off to Hobart in two weeks for what what's called the regional state games. Do you want, do you want to give correct. us a bit of a, a kind of a, a view on what the Regional State Games is, what it's about, and what teams are going, John? Yeah, well, basically going back on the on 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 the club thing as well. It's the the other good thing about us is we we like to travel. Like the, uh, we've gone to this will be our third year going to Hobart. We've gone to uh, we've gone to Adelaide as well. Last this year just gone, and we've also gone to Port Ferry for a, for a few weekends. So, um, so yeah, we kind of we kind of got together. At the end of the competition last year, and decided, look, we we need we need to do something uh, bigger and better, um, uh, to promote the game in the regional areas. And we we just decided that we'd have the, we'd call it the Australasian Regional Games, and we we talked to Jared Rowe, and um, he he was all for it. So basically, you've got ourselves in Geelong, we've got the Gold Coast, uh, you got a club called the Irish Australians in Adelaide, and then you obviously got the Tasmanian boys as well. Oh, yeah. So we're gonna play a four teams. It's it's only seven. So it's a seven side competition. Run all day Saturday. Play each other once. Semi finals and finals. And then hopefully next year we'll have it in Geelong. And then the year after Adelaide as such. And then the year after that, um, open the uh, Gold Coast. Yeah, it's basically it's basically the state. As you said, it's the state games for for the regional guys who don't really 
have a chance to let's say get on the on on the um, the bigger stage and promote promoting games in in the regional areas. That's just that's that's just the main thing about it. Yeah, that that that's um, really. What 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 are your chances this uh, in two weeks, John, of winning the competition? Or have you any idea what the opposition are like? Yeah, I've been doing a bit of I've been doing a bit of uh, Facebook uh, uh, stalking and, and checking up on on the other teams. So yeah, we've got we've got a fairly we've got a decent squad going over this year, and we'd be uh, fairly confident of of getting there, reaching the final as such. And hopefully, we've lost the last two years over there, so we really want to give it a give it a go. The the the, 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 the only difference is in this year to, to to previous years is we're not going to drink on the Friday night, so I think that. Might- <laughs> It might give you some hope, even though sometimes the team that drinks on the Friday night tend to perform a bit better. <laughs> well, they do, yeah. We had the, the Sydney boys that beat us in the final. I think they were there from Thursday and they were on the bear from Thursday. <laughs> they got their second win on the Friday. Well, that's it. That's it. Uh, just just your thoughts then, John. I suppose you're a dove and you're a proud dove and you've done the three in a row. Uh, yeah. what, what's, your, what's your view for, for next year? Do you think it's going to be four in a row for Jim Gavin's men or, or do you see any team knocking them off their perch? Oh, you can't... You, you, like at the present time, you can't see anybody. You can't see anybody beating them. It's just, it's just they're just a machine, though, aren't they? It's just, it's, 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 it's amazing how uh, they can keep turning these players over. And then, the, the, like the worst thing, well, not the worst thing about it is that they're probably a couple of best players are in Connolly and uh, O'Connellahan. They're, they're probably better hurlers than they are footballers. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. So, um, I really. I'd, yeah, I don't. I'll really keep an eye on the hurling next year and see what uh, Gilroy does. So hopefully he gets a few of the lads back and um, like um, it really good to make. They'd really be hoping to make a Leinster for in the dub. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I know. I think Pat Gilroy is a good, good choice. We said the dubs needed to appoint a dub after Jerkoniam, yeah. so that's a big yeah. thing. And then uh, finally, John, just uh, we've got the two big international rules. We're going to talk about them. Uh, uh, and we're we're looking forward to those. What what's your thoughts on on the Irish team and, and I suppose on the on on the Aussie team? There's three Geelong men uh, lining out for Australia. Well, that's right. Yeah, Zach uh, Zach Zach Tui, the, the leashman, and um, Joel Selwyn and, and Dangerfield. So uh, it's be a pretty good guy. Like they've got. Um, I just hear tonight that uh, Goddard from uh, Essen and he's going to be going in goal. So like it's you, you when you talk to the when you talk to the everyday Aussie over here and they say oh. It's hard to kick if you if you if you took if you took the round ball and the oval ball and you said which one, which one's harder to kick? You'd say the you'd say the round the, you'd say the oval ball. Sorry, but like the Aussies find it hard to kick the round ball, which I don't really. I can't, it's a tough one, but yeah, who knows what way the game's gonna go? It's obviously the Aussies can tackle, which the Irish can't. So yeah. I think that's where the Aussies get the Irish boys, and but then the Irish boys are better with the kicking ball. But over the last few years, the Aussie boys have actually got better at kicking the ball. So you kind of think that the Aussies home advantage and and can tackle a better tackler as a such so you think fitness and all this the, the, the Irish boys are just finished up and the Aussie boys obviously just finished up so but you've got none of the dubs playing so I don't know I think the Aussies might win the Aussies win because the dubs aren't playing uh, yeah. that's it, that's <laughs> I thought that's, that's what it. your verdict would be but um, <laughs> come here to me John thanks very much for joining us and um, I think we, we get this podcast out as soon as we can and best of luck to you down in Hobart in the upcoming tournament All right. no worries on thanks for that cheers, cheers. In one single moment, your whole life can turn round. I stand there for a minute, staring straight into the ground. Things were just going through my head, you know, and because I can only, I don't want to leave the people of Warford down, you know, because they're my life, you know. People of Warford are my life, you know, and I, I, I love, I love, I love my county, you know. We love Jamalan. Yeah. Yeah. Dry your eyes, mate.
Yeah, that was great having John on the line. Um, I think, you know, we'd all agree it's very challenging being a team, a GA team, whether, wherever you are overseas, but especially in a regional area. Like, we're lucky we're here in Metropolitan Melbourne. So much Irish come to Melbourne, set up in Melbourne. You know, very, very difficult living somewhere down in Geelong. Yeah, you, uh, you know, Doreen needs to have a nurture and nature about him now. I tell you, I, I made my uh, adult hurling debut when I was fifteen against uh, the junior hurlers of Kill, and I played corner forward beside John's uncle Pat Reaney, who moved from Dublin uh, down to Lismore. And Pat was, I'd say, he was about forty playing the game. He had about two knee bandages and two elbow bandages, and he was in there to to do one job break ball. So when I when I came over here and I met John, I had a, I had a great old chat with him. And we, we became good friends over it. But John John went down to Geelong, lives down there, and set up a club from scratch again. Like, obviously, they were there back in the 60s and 70s, but then they totally folded. And then John has come in. You've got very little Irish down there. They, they do train well. They're, they're definitely probably a junior center club. And they come up then to Gaelic Park, which for them is a three-hour round trip to come up and play against the senior teams just because they've got no one else to play against. So... Uh, it's brilliant for them to get to go to Hobart to play against teams of a similar caliber and actually compete and, and please God this weekend they'll go and, and they'll go and win the Hobart Championship it'd be great for them it'd be great for John as well yeah I think it really embodies what the GA is all about that even though they're up against it they've really pulled together down there it's a real sense of community amongst the Irish community down there they had a family there day a couple of weeks ago as well yeah. um, it's really great to see and I think it's important though that they do have a competition where they get to be competitive so it's fantastic this weekend over in Tasmania they'll be up against teams of their own quality so you know they have a chance of bringing home some silver which is fantastic I think the regional games is a great opportunity for the more remote parts of Australia where they don't have the same numbers that we have in the urban centres that they have a competition where they all come together for once a year you know and it's a fan, it's, fan, it's fantastic for the GA but fantastic for the players um, and that's obviously on in Hobart this weekend we wish them all, all the best of luck um, but like we said, John, I think coming up in Melbourne this year, we're going to have an, a, a junior football competition for, Ge- like, for Geelong and other similar yeah. teams. So, so one of the things you'd see in Melbourne is actually at the start of every year in January or February, you might have 40 players in every single club with the exception of Geelong. And naturally only 20, 21 or 22 get to tag out every Sunday and only 15 get to play. So you, you have a lot of a fall off and we only have a senior competition with six teams in Melbourne. So next year is going to be the the first year and in Melbourne. And just back on that point, that's ex- actually exaggerated as well because the first competition of the year is always a seven-a-side or nine-a-side. That's so true. Even, that's even more of a point like why players going to lose interest a bit early yeah. on. You just get a massive drop off and you have guys not playing. Yeah. So next year we're going to have four teams in um, the junior championship. We're going to have Geelong, we're going to have Wolf Tones B team, uh, Sinn Fein's B team, or not Sinn Fein, uh, Pierce's B team and St. Kevin's B team. Dara has uh, helped organise this as well. Dara was with us last week. So it, it'll be great for Geelong to be able to come up to Keysborough and compete at, at a level. I know with the Gary O'Nines last year, we actually had a, a B competition and Geelong competed in that against Kevin's second team and, and a crowd from our old Niall McMahon called on Shan Fair, who came from um, West Clare, yeah. <laughs> the, the most of the boys, and, and they lost the final to St. Kevin's on a penalty shootout. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's what's great about that as well. Is It's great, I know, for, you know, great having numbers of training, but it's great for people to get games. So if you're number 27 on a panel over here, you know, there's not much fun in that like you know is it you want to, mm. everyone wants to play games no matter what so to be able to like literally give every player an opportunity who's trained to play a game on Sunday 
is fantastic. I think it's going to be a great result just for participation levels. You know, yeah. I think I think it's a great initiative, and it's a great initiative like we have with the regional games in in uh, in Hobart this weekend. Um, but yeah, so best to look to Geelong, best to look to the games on the Gales. On the Gales, we hope to do the business to bring the trophy back to back to Victoria. Um, so just before we finish up today, we do have a, a, I suppose a, a couple of other um, updates that happened back at home, and obviously out here. The firstly, we've seen that. Um, Young Galway prospect Killian McDale has actually signed for for Carlton on a two year deal, and we'd be joining Kieran Byrne from Loud there. So that's a, a big move for him. I think Galway will obviously be very disappointed to lose him, but it's very exciting for us. We love seeing Irish players coming out because we get to track their progress. And we'll keep a close eye on them at the Carlton games, well, uh, Liam. Yeah, we will. We will. We used we did have three Irish players there last year. We got down to one when Zach Tui went, and obviously Kieran Sheen has been delisted as well. But it's great to see another Irish. An Irish player back there. Um, Kieran Sheehan then has signed for the Gary Owen footballers next year as well, which was a, a big coup for Gary Owen. Yeah, Kieran, just that paperwork's in the post there. Just signed that day when it arrives <laughs> tomorrow. Um, also, we've seen Anthony Cunningham has been brought on by Pat Gilroy. That's been doing the rumour mill for the last couple of weeks. I think you mentioned that in the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Giggles, you called that as usual. Your fingers on the pulse back home. But I think that's a great move by Pat Gilroy. As, as you said, Pat Gilroy is known as a great man at organising people, getting yeah. structures and systems in place. And then for him to empower Anthony Cunningham and delegate him with the hurling knowledge that he has. Yeah. Like, I think, and we've already seen Danny Sutcliffe is signed back up and he's going over playing the Fenway Classic. Yeah, and then, then you've got the added spice in that of when the Leinster Championship is round robin and Dublin come up against Galway, you'll have a bit of a grudge match there after the Galway players getting rid of Anthony Cunningham and now he's coming up against them yeah. with, a, with a Dublin t shirt on the line. It should be very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be great to watch that. And also, then finally, we have Fraggy Murphy. Shawnee has been brought on board as, as a selector with Cork. Another selector is going to be brought on from the under-21 um, setup that hasn't been determined yet. What are your views on, on Fraggy coming on board? Oh, great addition, I think. I, um, only a positive thing. Um, obviously, you know, Fraggy was involved in the, that very good Cork team through the, the noughties from 2003 up to pro 2006-2007. So he'll bring a wealth of experience. And, and I mean, a lot, of the, a lot of the lads on the team probably... Would have probably looked up to him as they were coming up through the underage ranks and seeing what he was capable of. So yeah, a very good, very good appointment. It's interesting though that he he hasn't had any managerial really experience. He's probably still playing for Sarsfield, is he? Um, I don't know exactly what he ha- was doing, but I know he was involved with teams and coaching oh, was teams. He? Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. Like, there's deve- It's interesting. Even this late in the year, there's still a lot of developments happening in terms of managers, coaches all being appointed. So that, that merry-go-round is still ongoing and I'm sure we'll see in the next couple of weeks between now and Christmas there'll be a few more um, appointments teed up. So look, I think that's it for, for this evening's episode. We've got the game on Saturday. Make sure everyone tunes in at home 8 o'clock in Irish time. It's on at 7 o'clock p.m. Melbourne time and 4 o'clock part time. And I'm not sure what Where? Part. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> There's no THs in Kenny. No. Um, so we wish the boys all the best of luck on, on, on Saturday. And we'll be back next week with a re- review of that test. And we'll have Gary Brennan on to speak with us as well from Clare. So we're looking forward to getting his insights. So thanks very much for having us, Giggles. We had some lovely mint chocolate biscuits today. We're kind of like an after eight slash biscuit combination. I don't think there's any left, lads. No, there's two left. There's two mm. left. Johnny only eats biscuits with tea, so there was two left, but he refused to eat them because <laughs> there's no tea left. There was no tea left, and he also brought the berries over. So we're ticking all the boxes there in terms of nostalgia back home. So thanks very much for coming along, Johnny, and bringing your tea bags. No problem at all. You're very welcome, lads. And giggles. Thanks for the biscuits. Have a good night. See you later, lads. Good luck.